on this episode of Three Bros Sports Podcast, the podcast of three college students who could just talk about sports forever. We're going over the NBA bubbles getting closer and closer. A couple Miami Heat players that are really crucial. They're not going to be playing. It's going to be tough out there. Also, Rajon Rondo believes the Disney World Hotel is basically the equivalent of a Motel 6. We're giving our opinions on that. Also, with the Patrick Mahomes mega contract, we now have to ask ourselves, how much is Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson really worth? I know we've talked about Watson a few times, but this is where we put into real perspective. We're adding on our top 10 quarterbacks going in to the 2020 NFL season. There's a lot of names you wouldn't have expected to be in there. Maybe on my end, who knows? You guys are going to want to stay tuned for what we have at the end. Also, Jeff Fletcher, beat writer for the LA Angels for the Orange County Register. He's coming on with me to chat about the Angels 2020 season. Also, if Mike Trout's even going to be playing at all this year and much, much more. But first. Hey, it's Steven Agosik with the New York Mets. You're listening to Three Pro Sports. But first. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to another Three Bros Sports Podcast, the podcast of three college students you can just talk about sports forever. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. I'm Felix. Felix. Now, I, I know you're a baseball expert, so is this going to King Felix, Felix Hernandez? Who, who's Felix? It could be that, but I was thinking more of the, the late and great uh, Dallas Cowboy Felix Jones. Okay, okay. We're going with a little bit of a throwback today. Once again, it's just a podcast of all these three college students who can just talk about sports forever. There's been a lot of things going around, especially on the NBA side of things, as the season gets closer throughout this uh, quarantine bubble that they've created in Orlando. Oh, man. Wouldn't you guys just love to be in a bubble with all other NBA players at one of the most luxurious places in all of America? I'm, I'm, well, I mean, there's at least one player I would want to be around right now, but that, that, we will probably talk about that a little bit later. But I mean, you, you're stuck in the happiest place on earth. I mean, honestly, even if Mickey Mouse isn't walking around, waking up every day, seeing the Disney castle off in the distance, it's got to got to be a little bit nice for Joel Embiid after he got out of his hazmat suit. Yeah, and, and I mean, we're talking about a freaking Ninja Turtle that doesn't like it being out there. Somebody who looks like a Ninja Turtle. Rajon Rondo has been a little upset with his hotel room ever since getting there, calling it a Motel 6, calling it Motel 6 quality. But I also have a question for Rondo. How are you going to say this is Motel 6 quality when you've been playing like a Motel 6 for like the last five years? You haven't been anything ever since you left the Kings where you had somewhat of a productive season. You had a double-double. You led the NBA in steals. You've done nothing. This season has actually been... Um, his his lowest production since his rookie year, since 2006-2007. He was averaging 7.1 points per game, five assists, and three rebounds. So, you know, he's, wow. been, he's been really killing it lately. And that's, a, and that's on over 20 minutes a game. Let's not forget that. This I don't even know if I can call this Motel 6. I think this is Red Roof Inn, or maybe even a Super 8. I, I, I think the quality is a little lower, if you ask me. It's super eight. That's a bit rough. <laughs> I know. I think it is too. But you know what? It's deserved. I mean, when he was out in New Orleans, like, look, he was productive, but he hasn't done anything since. I'm sorry. He hasn't. His time with the Kings back in 2015, 2016 was the best he's been. And he's been giving a lot of opportunities, especially with the Lakers, 
with the Pelicans, Chicago, nothing. And he thinks that he's all that. Now, I don't he could be joking about it all. He really could, but still I don't think the comment section was taking it either. He didn't even come out saying I was a joke, but I mean, for someone who looks like a teenage uh, mutant ninja turtle, of course he's going to not be happy that he's in the happiest place on earth because when do you see Rajon Rondo happy? When have Uh, we ever heard of a happy Rajon Rondo? All he ever does is complain. Another interesting um... part of the story would be that um, (laughs) they they tweeted the picture out. Uh, obviously, Rajan Rondo posted a picture of the hotel, and Motel Six uh, replied, "We'll always leave the light on for him." <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That is wow. perfect. But I to cut you off, Calvin. Did you have something you you wanted to say? Uh, I was just going to say, probably the only time he's been happy is 2008. But yeah, oh, I, I guess yeah. it's the only time he's been yeah. happy. But, I mean, a lot of players are getting into the quarantine bubble right now. I think all teams are there. Now, one team in particular is not just the Miami Heat. Now, Miami Heat have been dealing with a lot of uh, positive cases. And now they will be without Bam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn, two of the three most valuable players for the Heat as of right now. Bam Adebayo is big. This is a big-time loss for the heat a team that was really looking at they had a chance to take over the east if they if everything went their way especially throughout this quarantine i think they they could have had a higher chance than a couple other teams i really did i i, I love the way bam out plays i think it's almost a, he's a generational type player a guy you could really build your team around they still have jimmy butler Goran Dragic. they still have all their shooters uh duncan robinson but this team, that is two major losses that I don't know if you can really bounce back from. I, I, I'm kind of seeing the Heat as just a second-round exit right now. I, are, are you guys seeing something? I'm not. I mean, uh, Mason Plumley is, is that the option? Or Miles Plumley Or whichever one of the two. Or my, No, I'm sorry, not the Plumley brothers. It's Leonard. Myers Leonard. Is that who we're going to rely on at starting center for the Heat? I'm, I don't even know if I'm seeing second-round exit. I'm wondering about first. So at this point, let's see who would they even be playing. So if assuming if things were to stay the way they are, they'd be playing Indiana. Which Oh, Indiana always folds in the first yeah, round. I think Miami can get by that. That's fair. If it does change the Philadelphia is neck and neck with Indiana right now. Which that I could easily see them being Miami. Really? We see Ben Simmons doing something? Yeah, yeah, you know what we saw Ben Simmons doing the other day was not be able to throw a fish in water. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to tie it to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw that video. Ben Simmons finally catches a fish. He tries to let it go, and then he misses his shot. And he, it's to the entire ocean, <laughs> literally. It's like two inches away from him, and he still God, misses I was reading it. the comments on that. They're so brutal. <laughs> Look, Twitter is going to flame you, Okay. <laughs> You should have, you should Ben Simmons should have begged whoever posted that not to post on social media. He knew damn well what was about to happen to him. I think he should Ben I think he should just but avoid posting anything uh, resembling shooting a basketball. That's just not a good look. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to see any of those workout videos in the off season of you trying to shoot. Let's just not see it. We know it's not going to happen. All right, let's let's get things out of the way. But but there are a lot of things going around with the NBA and the season's just getting closer and closer. I'm getting more and more excited for our, the future podcast. We're going to be getting in. 
deep into the playoffs. We're going to be having some special guests coming on to go over the playoffs for certain teams. I'm going to keep you guys posted about that. I don't want to, I don't want to name drop anybody, but you guys are going to want to stay tuned for who we have coming up within the next few podcasts. Not this one, because we got a really special guest later on. We got Jeff Fletcher, the beat writer for the LA Angels. One of my favorite writers for the entire team. He'll be coming on later on. But moving on to the NFL sides of things, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the biggest contract in sports history. Patrick Mahomes, 10 years, $503 million freaking dollars. Holy crap. I know we're a little late to the party on it, but you know what? Screw it. We still have to talk about it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm more mind boggled that this contract actually it, it came about. I really am. Just because on the basis of Kansas City still a small market, that is over 30 to 40% of your entire cap space, if not more, if he hits all incentives. How the hell do you build a contender with just one player being paid almost half the entire salary? Look, I know Andy Reid makes almost everybody good, but you can't build a defense stable enough. Chris Jones is already thinking he's gone. He says he's only going to get $16. <laughs> and that was one of the biggest pieces that the Chiefs had when they were going up against the Niners. He was the anchor of that defense that kept things stable. You're not going to be able to resign the Honey Badger. Tyreek Hill's going to have to walk. Damian Williams, he's going to be gone as well. I don't th- think it's that big of a deal. Travis Kelsey needs his big money. Where the hell... Can you build a contender with this team? You pray that rookies end up working out for the next 10 years and that they don't deserve any money or yeah. they don't want any money. Yeah, okay. When's that going to Yeah, probably this? never. I, I just, like, the amazing thing with this contract to me is most of the time when you hear about a big-name player getting a huge contract like this, it's mostly half and half like players will say like, Oh yeah, he deserved it or whatever. And a lot of people say, no, this was way too much. This is the only one I've seen where people are like, yeah, that sounds about right. And I just don't see that. It's a small market. That's the problem. This is a small market. It's one thing. If this is the New York giants handing that money, if they had Patrick Mahomes, it's another thing. If it's, Kansas freaking city, a team that has been known to have to always lowball offers. You cannot get the A-list players to come to your city. That was before they they had the best quarterback in football, though. I mean, they got to be just banking on the fact that they're hoping Pat Mahomes would be enough to uh, push their team over the edge. I mean, you're looking at the cap hits um, for, for the foreseeable future. It just gets progressively more insane. Uh, the peak being in 2027 when he counts $59.95 million against the salary cap for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think they're going to have to put their ball boy out there at receiver. They're going to have to get the popcorn guy down from the stands to come in there and play left tackle. It's going to be a little bit rough, but hopefully, you know, Patrick Mahomes, um, seven years from now, is still slinging it like he has been last year. And I got to think that the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and just having Patrick Mahomes in general is enough to have players come in, but also a, another good negotiating point is uh, money. Uh, I heard that NFL players like to get paid for bashing their heads into each other. That's just uh, what seems oh, to really? make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, they might be able to get some veterans in there who are like going to sign, um, you know, the league minimum just to try and get a ring. But it's definitely going to be tough <laughs> to keep up. I think if they're going to, bless, if they're going to win you. another Super Bowl, <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's got to be sooner rather than later because this is just going to get worse for them in terms of in terms of money. No, I I agree. And now, let, there is a little bit of a. I'm not going to say as a jinx or anything, but let's not forget the last time Andy Reid had a great quarterback at the time and was given one of the biggest contract extensions in all the NFL, Michael Vick, back in 2011 with the six-year $100 million contract. And remember, this was going into the 2011 season, this was the dream team for the Eagles. They had everybody you ever needed to win. You had... You had Lee Sean McCoy, you had Deshaun Jackson, you had Jeremy McClain. Brent Selleck was going crazy that year. Over <laughs> Everybody was going nuts. Oh, man. I, uh... I mean, Jason Peters in his prime. <clears throat> Let's not forget, ended up going only 8-8. Eight and eight. Then the next year, same expectations. But then when you were paying a quarterback, basically a huge chunk of the entire team, the next year they went 4-12. and 12. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen to the Chiefs. I'm not saying that. But there's been some instances of, look, if you put way too much money over, who knows what will actually happen. I'm a, li- I'm a little afraid of trying to build that team. It's like you're in 2K and you just got LeBron. And then you also went, you got KD. So cool. You have two of the greatest players. Yes, they will get you to the playoffs. Yeah. But they're not going to get you into the Western Conference Finals or Eastern Conference Finals if you don't have any other supporting pieces. Fatigue comes into play here. Now, you still have Tyreek Hill, uh, Hardman. He's been looking good. Sammy Watkins, if he ever wants to stay healthy. He's kind of like that one character in SpongeBob who literally just breaks his, every single bone in his body like once he just moves just an inch. But I'm just afraid about them being contenders now. This really hurts the contending capabilities. Yeah, I mean, I mean, football is a team sport. I mean, in, in basketball, you can bring in one player that can change the whole culture. I mean, just look at... Kawhi Leonard when he went to Toronto I mean I don't I don't want to say that they wouldn't have been able to win a championship without him yeah but I mean we saw how they were in the past DeMar DeRozan they were kind of always in the in the discussion but could never really pull it off in the playoffs but even more so with football I mean there's 11 guys on that field and you got to play defense and um, I mean unless they're going to have Patrick Mahomes out there at safety as well um (laughs) I think you know, it makes sense that they wanted to keep him, uh, but it'll definitely be interesting to see how it pans out for the Chiefs in the long run. But speaking of Andy Reid extending uh, quarterbacks, he also uh, extended Donovan McNabb back in 2002 to a 12-year deal um, oh for $115 million. So it's not the first time that Andy Reid has you know, committed long-term to a quarterback, Um it's 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 hard to compare Donovan McNabb to uh, Patrick Mahomes, but you know it it'll definitely be interesting. So seven years from now, we'll we'll see if this was smart or if it's just a complete dumpster fire of uh, uh, fifty two rookies and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, uh, wait, you ended up saying that extension was two thousand two. Yes, two thousand two. Okay, so afterwards, twelve and four, thirteen and two, then four and five, five and five, eight six, nine six and one, ten and four, and then it was the Michael Vick time back in twenty ten. So, <laughs> who knows what could happen through that? It's it's on. I'm honestly curious about it, but 
it's it's definitely interesting for a team like Kansas City. It really is, especially when defense has been the biggest problem for that team. The biggest reason why they couldn't have they weren't able to make it in uh, twenty eighteen. That was the reason why the the Patriots literally were just running slants, and they couldn't figure out how to be able to guard anybody. They couldn't cover a single player. So I'm curious to see what it is, but now. We're having a look at Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson because they're up next. They're about to get their big money. They think that they're going to get everything they want. They're, you know how crazy <laughs> Prescott is. We've been talking about this forever. And now the real question goes to, are they even worth it? Are they worth anywhere near that money? Are they even worthy of our top ten? Which brings me into another segment. Last week, we went over the top 10 NFL coaches going into the 2020 NFL season. You know what? Darn it. We're going to do the top 10 NFL quarterbacks going into the 2020 season. Brett, yeah, you can bleep that out if you'd like. I'm sorry for that. I got too excited right here. But I think this is a little fair. So it can it, it can gauge whether or not we think that some of these quarterbacks are worth the money we'll do it the same way we did it last week we'll start off with 10 through 6 brett why don't you lead it off for us today i would be happy to do that connor number 10 dak prescott (laughs) (laughs) um you know i'm not i'm not are you serious i'm not gonna be one of those no i'm I'm serious okay okay (laughs) no i'm serious um you know I, I it was is between Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz for me for both of these guys they definitely have flashes and I think that Dak Prescott has been getting a, a bad rap just because of his ridiculous uh, requests for you know and denials of the money that he's been offered so far but all that aside, and you didn't check out the article I had about Dak Prescott on threerowsports.com, dot uh, uh, whether Dak Prescott's worth the money oh, or not. Well, I I did in the past, and you know, believe me, I don't think that he's worth a Patrick Mahomes contract by any means. But he's definitely a solid starting quarterback when you look at the rest in the league. I mean, he can throw the ball well, he can run the ball, he's mobile, which is what you need in in today's league. So I'm going to put him at number ten. But this eight through ten was really tough for me to to you know, get an accurate read on these quarterbacks. So I'll go on number nine, big Ben. I can't really put him higher up on this list. He's definitely accomplished a lot in the past, but we kind of, you know, we're doing this list based on going into 2020 and, you know, he's had a whole season off. They're saying he's his first time he's actually been working out in the off season. So that's great for him. He's feeling motivated. Oh, he's not eating bonbons at the house anymore. Well, he might be. But he's also doing some some push-ups as well, so that's good. Um, <laughs> do, you th- do you think his workout was going to the barbershop and getting his beard beard trim? Was that was that the workout that he ended up doing? I don't know. I could see him like putting like a plate of barbecue at, on the front of the treadmill and like running after it or something like that. Just uh, <laughs> one idea. I th- I'm gonna try that. Yeah, out. yeah. Just holding like a like a Twinkie on a stick, his wife in front, and making him run for it. I don't know. I think Juju but, Smith was holding the Twinkie. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, they need something to do in the off season. Juju, uh, Juju's trying to say, you need to run for 400 yards this year, buddy. You're not just gonna be a pocket quarterback yeah, anymore. Yeah, you got to build that <clears throat> that receiver quarterback chemistry somehow. But um, yeah, Big Ben, uh, he's a solid quarterback. I think he can come back and have a decent year. And you know, the Steelers are always even if they don't have the best weapons. They seem to always play pretty well on offense. I mean, we even saw them, you know, still somehow hold it together with Mason Rudolph and the Duck Hunter, as Connor likes to say. 
So <laughs> uh, I'm going to put Big Ben at number nine. And number eight, I got Matthew Stafford. I think that he's Whoa! a solid choice. The there, you know? quarterback god going into Brett's top ten. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy, I feel I feel for the man, you know. Uh, Detroit is, you know, even more so a sad – more sad franchise than a Minnesota Vikings. Just You'll have to be nice here, Brett. You can say they can't. They, they can't even make the playoffs. I mean, they're in the NFC North with me, and I honestly have no hard feelings towards the Lions because they're not a threat. They're just kind of there. It's <laughs> um, Matt Patricia. Yeah, I mean, I'm never worried when we have to play the Detroit Lions, and I feel mad, bad for Matthew Stafford because he's 32 now. He, he has the talent to be great. I mean, if you could put him on a team that could actually do something, have a decent coach, or actually, you know, bring some decent talent in, it just seems like no one wants to play in Detroit, and, and Matthew Stafford just kind of stuck there. And I remember when there were some rumors swirling around that he might uh, get traded, um, and I'm sure that he was probably crossing his fingers and, and praying in the corner that that was going to happen. Um, but I'm going to put him at number eight. I mean, in 2019, he was on track to have his best statistical year so far until he hurt his back so i mean he's had plenty of time to heal up so hopefully he can come back and look in that same form i'm doing 10 through 5 right or 10 10 through 6 you also want to know something crazy about detroit it's the fact that they've never actually won the nfc north tampa bay has won their that division more recently than detroit has that makes they (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it makes no sense, yeah. but all right. Um, <laughs> number seven, I got Drew Brees. Um, I think we we have definitely seen with these quarterbacks that used to be in maybe the top three, top five, um, the big names kind of drop off a little bit. I think that the um, playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings was a good indicator of where Drew Brees is at in his career right now, but I definitely can't you know, not put him on this list based on his season production every year is always, you know, off the charts. He always has a ton of passing yards. I mean, just look at the game against San Francisco in the regular season last time. I mean, he can still keep up. He can still throw, you know, at least like five touchdowns in a game. I mean, I'm going to put him on this list, but he definitely would have been higher on here, you know, say like five years ago, but that could probably go for a few of these people like this guy, Aaron Rodgers as well. I wasn't really too impressed with what I saw last season from Aaron Rodgers. It just kind of seemed like, you know, he was kind of out of it, <laughs> I suppose, if you, if, for lack of a better word. Um, it's just one of those things when, you, when you're Aaron Rodgers, you know, State Farms, Trophy Child, there's going to be expectations there. And I got to think going into the 2020 season after the Packers draft, uh, Jordan Love and kind of don't really get him any help. It's going to be uh, – where, where is his mind going to be at going into the season? I mean, your replacement's sitting on the sideline watching you. It's got to, it's got to be weighing heavy on his mind, so I'm going to put him at number six. You know, you know that, that's fair for Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would have him a little higher, but I can go into that later. Calvin, let's go with your 10. All right. Six. So at 10, I have Jimmy Garoppolo. Woo! Yeah. Hot take. 10 honestly might have been the hardest one for me because – I was considering Garoppolo, Wentz, and Philip Rivers. Actually, and now, now let, let's not forget Calvin. You Phillip are a Cardinals. Rivers. Yeah, man. Philip Rivers isn't Phillip even getting Rivers. close to my top fifteen. Put, Dude, Philip Rivers is nice. I put Kirk Cousins there before I put Philip Rivers. I would not. 
the people that I don't have on my list that I can automatically tell you are going to be 11 through 14 is going to be Big Ben, Dak Prescott, Stafford, and Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler, like, yeah. I, I will put Gardner Minshew ahead of Philip oh, Rivers. I mean, I would definitely put I would even put Sam Darnold ahead of Philip Rivers. <laughs> okay, now you're taking it a little bit too far. No, no, actually, I, I have some high expectations for Sam Darnold I this year. I definitely don't. He's from San Clemente. I gotta, I gotta represent. I gotta support him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he made friends with the ghosts he was seeing. No, Sam Darnold ended up beating one of my good, one of my friends' rivals' high school. It's, okay, so it's actually my rivals' high school. When I was in high school, our one of our big rivals was called Del Oro, and they were a big football program. And they went to states, and he played a high school named San Clemente High School, one of my favorite places in all of America to go. Sam Darnold walked right up there. And whooped their asses left and right. Okay. So well, he hasn't done that to any NFL teams yet. So, <laughs> well, now he's seeing just ghosts. But regardless, <laughs> what happened? Calvin, go on. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I, it was mainly between Jimmy Garoppolo and Carson Wentz, and I just feel like going into 2020, Garoppolo has a little bit more momentum than Wentz does. The main thing with Wentz is I just worry if he's going to stay healthy. So, I just could not put him there. But number nine, I have Deshaun Watson. And okay. honestly, like, is, has he been the best? No. But he's been a solid quarterback. And honestly, he's probably been the best thing the Texans have ever had, apart from a couple decent years with Matt Schaub. Are you telling me David Carr was not that great of a quarterback? No, David Carr was not that great of a quarterback. What the hell? Neither was if Ryan If he's Mallet. on NFL Network, he was great. Yeah, really. And neither was Ryan Mallett or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Or Brock Osweiler. Or Brock Osweiler. Hey, and uh, just going back to our top 10 coaches of last week, let's not forget, who was that offensive coordinator that made Matt Schwab look good? Uh, Was that a guy named Kyle Shanahan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, 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 it was. Well, I mean, Kyle Shanahan is pretty good. But um, I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) Tom Savage is definitely not the best one either. But Deshaun Watson, for me, has just been kind of like, good consistent that's something that the texans really haven't had so and honestly, i think consistency probably gets way overlooked in the nfl because all of a sudden one guy gets one good year and then thinks he's everything wants a hundred million dollar contract and you know if i want to talk about Dak prescott i did just look at his stats the one thing that he actually is pretty good at is not throwing interceptions like in his career, he's ninety-seven touchdown passes and thirty-six interceptions. Yeah, he's always been a pretty efficient quarterback. Yeah, um, efficient but not elite. And Grant, now twenty nineteen was his best year statistically, throwing for four thousand nine hundred two yards. And the, and and if we're if I'm I'm having to try to go off on a tangent on Dak Prescott or anything, but if we're looking at his his production going into the twenty twenty season. I mean, look at the offensive weapons he's going to have to throw the ball to. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. He's going to have Ezekiel Elliott behind him. You know, they got old man Jason Witten off of there. They finally throw uh, throw a ball to someone who's not collecting retirement money. You know, it's fine. Yeah. I, think he'll, I think he'll have a good season. He might, but I just feel like this whole big thing with his contract and everything is just going to take a toll because of all the media attention and everything that, the Cowboys already get a loan. Now you have this whole big controversy. And there's also the pressure now. If he doesn't perform, he's probably gone. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll see. Now, granted, 
Dallas might trade a ham sandwich for Deshaun Watson because that's the kind of thing that Bill O'Brien likes to do. Just hey, 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 hey come, on, come on, come on now. <laughs> Don't forget to throw in a first-round pick with Watson. Don't forget. Yeah, that. no. I mean. For Raheem Mostert. Hey, I'm happy that Bill O'Brien's in Houston, but. Hey, haven't you seen ham sandwiches 40 times? It's off the charts. I mean, really? I love me a ham sandwich as much as anyone, but. All right, going yeah, back to my list. made ham sandwiches, so I could attest. <laughs> but um, I had Ben Roethlisberger at eight. Because I feel like Roethlisberger's always been, like, whenever he's on the field, he's been pretty good. I just can't take that away from him. And Pittsburgh's always been a team that, for whatever reason, has been in it. Like, I believe Mike Tomlin has never even had a losing season, has he? If he has, it's no, only been, like, one. His lowest one was... Uh... A 500 season. Yeah, so that's pretty good. And that's also, well, Ben Roethlisberger's been the quarterback there to me. And honestly, I think Baltimore's going to have a bit of a regression this year. So I'm going to give Ben a little bit of an edge. I think, honestly, Pittsburgh's probably going to make a wild card at least. Um, then number seven, I have Matt Ryan. And, I mean, uh, Dan Quinn leaves a lot to be desired, but... Matt Ryan has still been able to perform consistent and well. Quite frankly, if they had a defense, that team would probably be able to reach the NFC Championship every year. So I'm going to give Matt Ryan seven here. And at number six, Tom Brady. Don't think... I mean, like, Tom Brady is great still, but I don't see how much better he's going to be in Tampa, especially now he's, what, 42 years old? Yeah. And... The NFC South is not an easy division anymore. I mean, of course, you got Atlanta and New Orleans, and even Carolina to an extent now. Grant, he's not going to have to deal with Luke Keekley anymore, but I just don't see Tampa necessarily being – like a lot of people have already labeled this team as like, oh, they're going to win the NFC, maybe even the Super Bowl. I don't see that at all. I see a second-round exit at best out of this. I, I can see that. And you said you got him at six? Yep. All right. Now it's time for me to dive into mine. And there could be Uh-oh. a couple shock- shockers here and there. I-, I don't know. It could depend on how you are. Number 10, I'm going with Deshaun Watson, okay? Deshaun Watson's been a serviceable quarterback. He's done He's done a good job so far throughout his time in Houston. He's been a consistent quarterback, a guy who is a leader. But when I'm comparing him and Jimmy Garoppolo together, Jimmy Garoppolo just came off a torn ACL and the Grappolo beat Watson in every statistical category except Grappolo threw one more interception. I am a little weary about that, especially when you had DeAndre Hopkins. Now you have Will Fuller, you have Randall Cobb, and you have Brandon Cooks, who, wait, I just got a message. He just got a concussion when he got out of bed. So, don't know what's going to be happening with them. You don't really have a consistent tight end. David Johnson's now your running back. And oh, I just got another message. Uh, he just t- he just broke his ankle getting out of bed as well. So, don't know what's going to be happening over there with their receiving core. Uh, Laramie Tunsil is basically the only person that's protecting him against like four different defensive linemen. So, let's see what happens out in Houston. I'm a little curious about it. Now, this is where I go a little bold. I'm surprised he- this player didn't make anybody's top ten. Number nine, Josh Allen. I, I- I'm all for the Josh Allen hype train this year. 
Put me down for whatever hype you got for it. It may just be because I always love a good mobile quarterback that has a strong arm that's literally so inaccurate. So literally, I'm saying it's basically like a Colin Kaepernick. But this time, I think Josh Allen, this is the year for him to hone it in. Dude, is 6'7", looks like a freaking small forward for the Lakers. He He's ready to ball out this year. And he got the perfect deep threat. So he could just keep throwing inaccurately, but as long as he throws it far, Stephon Diggs will be able to get it for him. Cole Beasley's a good route runner. You got Devin Singletary, who I think is going to actually torch the league this year. I think he's going to be one of the better running backs in the NFL. You got to keep an eye on him, especially when it comes to fantasy. I don't know why I'm giving away all my biggest players that I'm going to draft later on, but you know what? Screw it. I have to prove my point here. I'm all for the Josh Allen hype train. I would have put him way higher. But I need to see a little bit more results before I could do that. Because I honestly would have had him at six. I really well, would have. You know what I'm hearing out of that is that Josh Allen is a lot like LeBron James. If he's a small forward for the Lakers. <laughs> well, he's got the body build for it, okay? He, he's got the elusiveness. He's a good runner. And also, he's got a powerful arm. Uh, I, still have night, I still have nightmares of him hurtling Anthony Barr. <laughs> They went into Minnesota and just blew us out. God, that was rough. No, and, and that was the sign of a real legacy of Josh Allen walking right in there to the skull territory and showing him who's boss. I love Josh Allen just as much as anybody. And honestly, going into the um, – he was a 2018 pick, I believe. I thought he was the best quarterback in the draft. And that's who I wanted Arizona to take. So, like, I've – I like Josh Allen. I see a lot of potential here. I just can't put him in top 10 quite yet. I honestly had Sam Darnold as best quarterback. Then Josh Allen was second. I, I, I thought Sam Darnold was going to be great. I thought Sam Darnold was going to be a bit of a bust. Eh, you, may be, you may be right, but who knows? <laughs> Let's see this year. This year is kind of the big year for him. Number eight. I was debating about even having him in the top 10, but I can't. Look away from the history of it. Number eight, Drew Brees. My only concern this year, how much longer can the Saints keep going with the one play off? You had the Kyle Rudolph. You had the Minnesota Miracle. You had the pass interference. Can you really make it four years in a row? How much farther is this going to keep on going? And now, yes, you added Emmanuel Sanders. You got Michael Thomas. You have a healthy Alvin Kamara. Look, the weapons are always going to be there. I'm afraid if Breeze is going to be healthy enough to be able to use that to its full potential, or if that's where Jameis Winston comes in. Because, you know, Jameis Winston has more uh, – you know what? I, I, I forgot the reference here. I'm just going to run away from it. But Jameis Winston, he could take over that starting job. All right? I, I think there's definitely a high possibility of it for him to really regain his value. And if the Saints were the team to take him, that's kind of signaling, look, we don't know if Breeze is going to play a full 16 games. He may just play 10, and we're going to start resting him more and more, and that's where uh, we'll have him come in. Jameis uh, over Taysom Hill? Oh, yeah, easily. <laughs> Taysom Hill is probably going to be a slot receiver before we know it. Probably. It's either that or he's going to be giving Drew Brees foot massages on, on, on the sideline in games that he's resting. It's one of the two. Uh, I mean, he already does that. Yeah, but this time he's going to get a little bit more in-depth. He's going to make sure there's no callus on the feet. He'll get real deep into it. It's going to be a deep tissue massage this time. It's it's going to be big boy. He's going to have his own little uh, table and everything for him. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Breeze will be taken care of. Number seven, Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan, 
it's basically you're going to get the same thing every single year. He's at least going to produce as a top eight quarterback, no matter what. You still got Calvin Ridley. You now added Hayden Hurst into the mix, who's way better than Austin Hooper in my eyes. You don't trade a second-round pick and not plan on utilizing him to the fullest when you could have easily just re-signed Hooper. There's something that they see in Hayden Hurst, and I love it. You also got Calvin Ridley with the one and only Julio Jones. It's like, holy crap. That's going to be a great receiving core. This is going to be the year where that offensive line really sticks up. They had a great momentum going into the end of the year. And I have some high expectation for this offense. If they're not top six in offense, Dan Quinn has to go. There is no other reason to justify keeping a coach who blew a 25-point lead in the second half of a Super Bowl and it barely lost in the playoffs first round and then has been mediocre ever since. There's no reason to justify that. But then you realize the owner of the team also owns a Home Depot and they're just known to be mediocre. They don't really improve on anything. They just keep everybody around even when you have financial losses. So you know what? They may just keep Dan Quinn until he's literally fossilized at 97 at this rate. Who knows? (laughs) This team isn't going to be going anywhere, okay? Unless they can make changes or if this is the year that Matt Ryan can entirely lead a team and then say, screw it, let me go play linebacker too. Because we're about to pull an eight-year-old out of the stands, and he's going to be our starting right outside linebacker. That, that's honestly how the Falcon season goes. Everybody decides to get injured about by week three. And then Matt Ryan's like, ah, crap, I got to do this all by myself again. Okay, let's go. That's, that's enough about Matt Ryan. Number six, Carson Wentz. I've, I originally had Tom Brady here, but I had to swap the two. Carson Wentz, if you're able to lead a team nine and seven, when you had the peanut vendor come out and play as your slot receiver, you still go nine and seven hats off to you. First off his, the amount of times he keeps on getting injured. That's always going to be the problem. That's why you can't put him in that top four list. He has the talent to be one, but he can't ever stay healthy enough. Now, look, they, they ended up drafting Jalen Rieger you ended up going out and getting Marquise Goodwin. So basically, you have Nelson Aguilar 1 and Nelson Aguilar 2. You still have Alshon Jeffrey, who I don't know if he's supposed to go to a retirement home or what, what his plan is because he regressed so heavily last year. He could have just been injured the entire time. So if he can play at like 80%, he could still be productive. I just don't know how great Wentz can be. But going into this year, if you drafted another receiver in that first round, you have to have high expectations for him, even though I believe he's a complete bust, and then some. He's probably going to be your punt returner by week six, and that's really it. But who knows? Miles Sanders is still a great running back. I think the offensive line in Philadelphia is still going to be strong. Doug Peterson's still a solid head coach. He's just not the second coming of Jesus Christ, like all Philadelphia radio uh, stations like to claim he is. But you know what? That's okay. I, I don't need to go much into that. We went over it last week. Check out the last podcast, either on our website or on all the streaming platforms. I mean, even iHeartRadio. For all the people who say, I don't want to download Anchor. Well, I know if you're that old, then you have iHeartRadio. And we're on that, Granny. Okay? That's not even for the Billies and the Timmies. I'm telling Granny right now. Granny, just go on iHeartRadio. They'll find us right there. Or just type in the website. <laughs> now, it's time to get into the real big boys. Going five to one. Brett, why don't you start us off? So for number five, I got Tom Brady. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to pull a little audible here because um, I'm thinking more about going into 2020. 
just considering that this guy lost his best receiver. So I'm going to go number five, Deshaun Watson. I really like this quarterback. I think that he is uh, very consistent, like or Calvin was saying earlier, which is something that the Texans haven't had in a really ever, honestly. You know, you can say, joke about as much as you want about David Carr, but, you know, it's got to be nice for the Texans to at least have some consistency under center. I mean, his stats last year, 3,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, pretty solid, you know, with what he was working with. I mean, when you have uh, Deshaun Watson, or what am I saying, Deshaun Watson, throwing the ball to himself, Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to have to this year. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, best receiver in the league and Will Fuller, who's there, you know, one every four games when he's not injured. So I think that going into the season, it's going to be definitely interesting because there's going to be a definite drop off when you get rid of the best receiver in the NFL and bring in Brandon Cooks to be his replacement. You know, I don't think David Johnson is going to be running over NFL defenses by any means. I mean, this isn't really 2016 anymore, but We'll see what happens. We'll see. Maybe Bill Bryant, Bill O'Brien knows something we don't, but I'm going to put Deshaun Watson at number five based on his ability alone. Um, but I got to put Tom Brady at number four. I think that, you know, he may have had a, a tough season last year, but who was he really throwing the ball to? I mean, Julian Edelman was hurt for a lot of the year. Um, Nikhil Harry, yeah. you had Muhammad Sanu. Nikhil Harry didn't play. Oh, yeah, you're like, right. You're right. Up. He was not there the whole season. And even when he was, I think he. Maybe I don't even think he scored a touchdown. He he barely did anything. Um, so that was that was definitely you know not the best team to have around Tom Brady. But we've seen in the past. You know, I remember I can't remember exactly what year it was, but they had like Ken Kenville Tompkins and Aaron Dobson way back in the day. It was like their number one and number two, and they still made the playoffs. So yeah, there's going to be some drop off, but I think you know you got. You got to throw the ball to Mike Evans, and you got Gronk back. Uh, I think even if he's missed a year, he is definitely one of the better tight ends in the league and just a freak athlete. So I think that'll definitely be good. But you got to consider that Tampa Bay still doesn't have the best defense. I mean, yeah, they have some solid linebackers. I really like Devin White out of LSU. I think he had a really good year last year. Levante David's always been a solid linebacker for them. But who do they have outside of that? I mean, Ndamukong Sue is not a world beater by any means. He's always been a solid player, but he's nothing like he was in Detroit. Um, they got Shaq Barrett. I, I said their linebackers are solid. All right. Um, I'm talking about outside of that. I mean, you know, V to V, solid run stopper, but he's a big dude. He's not going to be getting a lot of pressures on the quarterback. Um, their secondary, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. was just drafted. I played Pop Warner with that guy, but... You know, I wish the best for him, but I think that that secondary is going to be tough. And, you know, how many points can Tom Brady really score um, in the NFC South? I mean, it's not like you're playing against the Jets, Dolphins, and Bills twice a year. So it'll definitely be interesting. That's why. Well, don't forget, he's afraid of the Dolphins when he goes to Miami. So he he did get out of that. So that's one thing to remember. Well, that's true, but he is going to be playing eight games a year in Florida. So we'll see. We'll see if that if that was the issue or if it was just the. The intimidating uh, Dolphins logo. (laughs) Uh, But uh, number three, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. I think that, uh, you know, I would kind of have to agree with Calvin. I could see a little bit of a drop off, but, you know, I'm going to be optimistic. I think that Lamar Jackson is probably one of the, if not the best athlete at that position, just based on the, his sheer playmaking ability. I mean, once he starts running the ball, 
you, you really don't know what's going to happen. He's he's one of the shiftiest players we've seen since Michael Vick in his prime. So I got to put him up at number three. I think he'll continue to get better at throwing the ball as his career goes on. And uh, I think that it was definitely an advantage for him coming into the league, having everyone want him to play running back and wide receiver. I think that that's a, a good motivation to try and uh, try and get uh, your throwing ability to be better. Number two, Russell Wilson. Um, I'm a big Russell Wilson fan, uh, even though he always uh, comes and plays Minnesota and beats us. But, you know, I, I oh, got to respect tell- the guy. Yeah, you're telling both the NFC West fans, okay, we, de- we deal with him more than you. Calvin's a Cardinals fan. I'm a Niner fan. We have to deal with Russell Wilson's crap. All right. Well, you're right. You know, if if I was an NFC West fan, I'm sure that I would have some stronger opinions about Russell Wilson. But you got to give the guy credit. I mean, he's the reason that the Seattle Seahawks make the playoffs every year since, well, not every year, but they are in contention every year since losing the Legion of Boom. I mean, he is the Seattle Seahawks. Without Russell Wilson, that team, I fully believe, would be, you know, a solid seven and nine team at its best. Um, you know, I, I did give Pete Carroll a lot of credit on our last episode. I think he's a good coach, but without Russell Wilson, you know, that, that, that ship just does not sail. Um, he's mobile. He, th- he has a great arm. You know, I just, <laughs> I really like Russell Wilson. I'm hoping that he can, uh, I mean, you guys might not want to hear this, but I, I'm hoping he can get a second ring at some point. I think, no, you'd be quiet would. over there, mister. <laughs> You're an uh, NFC fan. Why are you audience, saying this? Audience, audience. Okay. Listen to me. I'm being unbiased like them. And I'm saying, out of kindness of my heart, I hope Boo. he does. Okay. I hope he does. Get and and, and I'll, stage. Be, I'll, be, I'll be cheering him on, okay? Yeah, I, I would cheer your Vikings on from time to time, but... I'm not cheering on the Seahawks. I would never cheer on Seattle. Look, I, I may draft Russell Wilson in fantasy, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be rooting for him. It's, a, it's okay. You know, I would never cheer for the Bears or the Packers, but I can be honest with the Lions. If they ever got to the Super Bowl, I would be rooting for them just for the simple fact that they have had such a tough time. I mean, you know, Barry Sanders, Megatron, all those great players to come through there and still no Super Bowl rings to show for it. So, yeah, you're right. I think they you don't even have an NC um, championship ring to show for it. Yeah. I mean, and Brett, we know your number one is going to be Mitchell Trubisky, so we could just skip that. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes, right? Um, actually, it's going to be Kirk Cousins. No, I thought about that. There's no explanation for Mahomes. We really don't need an explanation. You already understand why we're going with the Calvin five through one. Wow, thanks. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I look no. down. I'm like, oh wait, we're at the 50 minute mark. I'm like, okay, maybe maybe we could speed things up. Yeah, I mean, we all know. Let's be honest here. Patrick Mahomes is all our number one. Yeah, I, is uh, there really an explanation that we really need for Patrick Mahomes? His hair. Is that, he sounds like Kermit the Frog at times. His hair. That's the only thing he's not number one in. His voice. <laughs> and also have, and also his brother. Uh, hmm. yeah. uh, uh. But, um, number five, I have Drew Brees. Oh. I mean, he's probably not going to have the best year of his career this year, but I still think he's really good. Better than most other quarterbacks in the league, so I don't see why he doesn't deserve top five. Number four, as much as I don't like putting him here, I had to put Aaron Rodgers just because he is one of the only quarterbacks that is generally consistent and always finds a way to win. Are you saying that because you don't like Aaron Rodgers? Yes, I think he is honestly the most overrated quarterback of all time. My personal I opinion. Think, but I think he's kind of um, 
Yeah, no, I won't go into it. <laughs> Here's the thing. I see a lot of people say he's the greatest quarterback ever or he's like top five. I saw a list one time that had him above guys like Roger Stallback. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. He's got, yeah, he's got some good seasons, but he's got one ring to show for it. Grant, I think it's a little bit more sad for Green Bay considering you've had two of the best quarterbacks ever for 30 years and you have two rings to show for it. But that's besides the point. Uh, number three, I've got Lamar Jackson, just because, I mean, it's probably going to have a good year, and Baltimore will probably still be a good team, but fourteen and two seems like a bit of a stretch to me. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, and last year I don't know how last year even happened. Do you guys see him having like a like RG three type career? Oh God, like, I hope not. I really hope not the either. The dominant RG three I mean. or the injured RG three? No, I mean he was. God forbid injuries happen. I would never, you know, wish any injuries on anybody. Yeah, but, but are we talking pre-injury you know, or post? I'm just talking about the fact that he's been so dominant and has been so mobile, and they found a way to to stop that for Robert Griffin. Now, granted, there was injury to be considered, but you know, do you guys think the NFL defenses will be able to adjust and kind of shut down? I guess what I'm really asking is if he, if they are able to shut down his the mobile side of Lamar Jackson's game, do you think that his throwing ability would be enough to have a solid season or a career? A great Absolutely. quarterback could be able to adjust his game. If he's not a great quarterback, that'll be exploited this year. We'll see if he earns that number three spot. Yeah. As of right now, his throwing ability is not good enough for that. But he's probably got a couple years until NFL defenses will actually be able to pick it up and adjust to it. Now, Grant, though, if he gets hurt, like a knee injury or something like that, that basically will destroy his career. Oh, yeah. Um, Number two, I also have Russell Wilson. As much as uh, I hate having to go against him twice a year, I'm not going to disrespect the man because he is an incredible quarterback. And honestly... Like you said, the ship doesn't sail without Russell Wilson. That ship doesn't even make it into the water without Russell Wilson. Yeah, that thing doesn't even leave the docks. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I think we talk about MVP every year, but if there's the case for someone winning MVP every single year strictly because of what he does for his team, it's Russell Wilson by a mile. So I got to give him number two. And of course, number one, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, no reason for that. Bazooka arm, bazooka. Richest athlete now, or the richest athlete in the world now. <laughs> oh my god, it, it's it's just insane. All right, going on into the top five now. Tom Brady at number five. I really had him at six, and I swapped him with Wentz just because he will have more consistent weapons. I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, basically whatever you wanted. You now got Gronk back. It's like you know what, you'll be able to do just fine. I I have to keep it at that. Number four, Aaron Rodgers. Now, here's my thing about with the Jordan Love pick. Rodgers has been known to always just be motivated no matter what. He always ha- plays with a chip on his shoulder. He never feels as if he's solidified everything, and he always complains about it, but he always plays different. I think the Jordan Love pick is the year where he's going to go on a complete, ta- like, a complete rage, torch the entire league, say, you know what, screw you guys. That was a stupid idea. Look at what I'm doing. I'm about to throw for 4,500 yards, do about 45 touchdowns this year. Screw I think it's you. impossible. 
I think it's impossible for Aaron Rodgers not to play with a chip on his shoulder because Anthony Anthony Barr broke his collarbone, but that's aside the point. <laughs> yeah, okay, I don't want to put any more pressure on him. But also, you have to remember he's been car- he carried Mike McCarthy's, uh, and you you know McCarthy was more on the heavy side of of the coaches having to carry him on his shoulders. It, it definitely, I, I think Anthony Barr was kind of that tipping point right there. That was the final straw. But that, that's besides the point here. I mean, they know if he has a good season too. They're not going to give him a receiver or anything either. Oh no, no way, not going to happen. But still, I think Alan Lazard's going to have a good breakout year. And also, there was an article that just came out three rowsports.com by Craig Smucker. You guys got to check out the fantasy football for Smucks going over the case for Alan Lazard. It's an interesting read. You might want to buy into all that hype that he's got right now as a second receiver with Devonte Adams. Who knows? I'm I'm really curious to see how Rogers is going to play. I think this is going to be another year where he's going to go completely crazy. Last year, they showed some signs of success. Now, going into year two, this is the year where we should really see the results. Number three, I'm 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 switching up. I'm actually going to go Russell Wilson on this one. Don't know why, but you know what? Screw it. You guys have had basically the same reasonings. I don't feel like I have to go much into depth about it. Number two, the reason why I'm going to go with Jackson when I'm comparing the two together, Lamar Jackson's in a better overall situation. Now, for the Seahawks starting off this year, Chris Carson's going to be coming in uh, injured. He's probably not going to be through training camp. Yes, they have Metcalf. Yes, they have Tyler Lockett. Great receivers. But I think Hollywood Brown and and Lamar Jackson are a better duo. I really do. You have Mark Ingram. You have J.K. Dobbins as your running backs. Solid. And they don't have to go get Marshawn Lynch come week 16 this year. They also have Mark Andrews, who I think is probably the third best tight end in the NFL after George Kittle at number one and Travis Kelsey at number two. Debate me all you want about it. That's the fact. You're he's better than Zach Ertz. Yeah, I do. Because Zach Ertz right now is basically about to lose his spot to Dallas Goddard. You're crazy, man. You know what? You can call me crazy all you want, Calvin. You you told me Bryce Harper's better than Mike Trout. Who's crazy now? Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I might, I'd probably have to change that now, but <laughs> I will not say that he's better than um, Zach Ertz. You know, well, I think the way he's going to be used this year, I think he will be the third best tight end in the NFL. I, I really do. He's young and upcoming. I think this is going to be the big year for him. But when I'm looking at the talent of what the options are, of what he has, we're looking at Greg Olson versus Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews has the upper hand on that. I think Lamar Jackson, he's gonna, they're going to play things a little bit more differently. And also, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. When Baltimore was playing Tennessee, for some odd reason, Lamar started thinking, you know what, screw it. I got to be more of a pocket passer. Let's do it. Let's forget about all the, uh, let's forget about all the read options. Let's, let's forget that ever existed. Greg Roman, just go sit down. I'm just going to start slinging the ball, and it may not be successful. And that was really the downfall of where – they went, and now this is the year where Lamar can prove if he's really focused on that arm strength, and I'm going to bank on that. If he does come in, it's the same thing with Josh Allen, but this time with Lamar, I saw more results than what I saw with Josh Allen. I saw better, con- more consistent results. So I'm going to bank on that going into the 2020 season, and number one is Patrick Mahomes because – wait, no, I'm sorry. I, that, that's a typo. Um, number one is Gardner Minshew for having the best mustache. You know – Gardner Minshew, he's going to be a solid quarterback this year. I'm, uh, who am I saying? It's Patrick Mahomes, number one. It's, it's the no-brainer of them all. I mean, I, I think we're all within the same idea of who we have at top ten. So, kind of thinking about it now, 
is Dak even worth top seven for contracts? Is Deshaun Watson even worth top seven? Uh, Dak Prescott definitely isn't. Deshaun Watson I would need to see a little bit more out of. Like if he can have a good year this year. If they go 10 and 6 because of Watson with Brandon Cooks at number one, yes, he wins. Oh, yeah, then absolutely. Dak, though, I don't ever see $40 million in his future. Me neither. I just cannot see it. It totally just depends on how this season goes. I mean, yeah. No, he, has, he definitely hasn't shown enough to, um, you know, warrant $40 million a year, but we've seen that. You know, in my case with the Minnesota Vikings, you know, you pay for, uh, you know, solidarity or whatever the word you consistency at the quarterback position. I mean, uh, well, the Vikings kind of are in a different boat as the Dallas Cowboys as they never really had that consistent uh, face behind the center. Um, whereas the Dallas Cowboys had Tony Romo for so long and now Dak Prescott for the last four, three or four years. So I think that, um, you know, it's it's worth paying to have that stability at that position. But $40 million a year right now seems like a little bit much. But for Deshaun Watson, I say it kind of goes into the same boat. Maybe not $40 million, but if he can do something with that offense that Bill O'Brien, you know, kind of just threw him threw him into the fire almost, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I think if I had to pick one or the other, I think I would go with Deshaun Watson. No, I I, I would agree with Deshaun Watson over anybody else. But, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for a special interview I have with the one and only Jeff Fletcher, beat writer for the L.A. Angels for the Orange County Register. You guys are going to want to stay tuned. We'll be right back. And also, free Woj. Here we are back through Bell Sports. Do not fear. We are still here. And I got a special guest for you guys. Now, I know every single week I always bring on a different writer, but... I got to go with my my favorite team of all time, and you got to go with one of the best writers that this team ever has. I'm talking about the beat writer for the LA Angels, also the chairman of the LA Chapter Baseball's Writer Association of America, the one and only Mr. Jeff Fletcher. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I mean, this has been such a weird time throughout the baseball world, and just because baseball's always been America's pastime, it's the one sport. I think that in football, it's the ones that we rely on the most through it all. And with all the ups and downs throughout this whole quarantine process when, with the MOB, the Players Association, it's just so refreshing to have the season. We have a start date. Players are coming back. I mean, just for you as a beat reporter, I mean, how has this been this entire three months trying to cover a team when there's nothing really even going on? <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty difficult from uh, like uh, April 1st to uh, June 1st when there, there wasn't too much happening at all. And uh, you just sort of tried to find whatever stories you could find and uh, just sort of waited for things to, to happen. And finally, you know, in, in June, there started to be some rumblings, at least, and a lot of negotiations, of, you know, to get the game back. And then uh, finally now in July, we've got actual baseball stuff happening. So it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah, I, I mean... It just feels about time. Like, you had every other league coming around. Then the MLB negotiations just kept going sour. Then it, you had some progress, and it went sour again. I'm just glad it's all behind us. And hopefully we don't see that for the 2021 CBA agreement. I I, I don't think I could deal with another uh, whole uh, uh, mismatch of 
the league just not being able to get together on this one, but diving down into the Angels just because I, I could go on about that whole MLB situation forever. It, it I, I'm just happy we got it back. I mean, now you're you're going to go back and see the Angels play. They have their inner squad games. I mean, and the biggest thing of it all is there's no fans in attendance throughout the season, and you just going into those inner squad games. How different? Is it really feeling even just for the players or even just for you in that beautiful right uh, right field box suite that you guys are in? I mean, how how different is that going out there with the no fans, hearing the players interact with one another? How different really is that? Well, it's pretty weird, but I don't think it's really going to get weird until they start playing actual games because so far it's just practice and we're used to seeing them practice in empty stadium and spring training and you know, even during the season when they're taking batting practice and all that, that's before the fans are in the stadium. So it's all, you know, normal. But then when you start to have two teams out there and they're playing a game and it matters and you see the emotion of a game uh, from the players, but with no fans, I think that's going to be very strange. Yeah, and even just starting it off, like, are, are, like just from the Angels' behalf of things, how is the overall feeling? Are they more eager? Are they a little more cautious? I mean, we're hearing the stories about Mike Trout being uneasy. Is that kind of the same overall feeling throughout everybody in the clubhouse, or is it just some players are feeling a little more weary than others? Well, we've only talked to a few players so far. They were not allowed in the clubhouse anymore, so they just put one player a day basically on Zoom to talk to us. So there's only been about four or five guys so far we've heard from. And uh, it seems like they, they feel pretty optimistic in general that the uh, they can do all the right things to, to keep the season going and to keep people from getting too sick. But uh, they all do say it's, it's weird, but they're going to get used to it. But it's, uh, it's definitely a new world for all of them. Yeah, it, it definitely does just feel weird in general when you're thinking about it. It's, it's kind of like you're... It's basically just playing pickup baseball in the end. You're just at a random park, and you're just playing in front of no fans. And it's just a little different from, you go from, like, the 50,000 people, especially Angel Stadium, how they pack the stadium every single night. There are 3 million fans, like, I think it's 10, 20 years in a row, or something, some astronomically high number like that. And it, it's just, it, it's going to be a weird feeling throughout it all. But speaking more on to Trout now, the greatest player to ever played, the greatest player on the Angels, this is a big deal of knowing whether or not he's going to be out there or if he isn't have you been able to kind of gauge a real feeling of where he's at maybe it's going to be he plays half the season and then he leaves to go see his newborn after that is has he changed his stance on it at all ever since that last ESPN interview have you felt anything different throughout the clubhouse uh well like I said we we talked to him that first day and uh you all saw what he said and we haven't talked to him since then so as far as I know he's still out there still out there practicing he's still out there wearing a mask I think that uh as long as things stay the way they are as far as everybody doing the right things uh to stay safe and following all the protocols and there's not an outbreak of guys testing positive I think he's probably going to stick around uh he's still going to you know, when he does leave for the birth of the baby, uh, he will have to uh, do some testing before he comes back. But uh, I don't think that's, you know, presuming everything goes okay, it's not going to be like he's going to have to quarantine for two weeks or anything like that. As long as he just comes back and tests negative, he'll be fine. Yeah. So I think that that's probably what uh, what's going to happen. But but every day, you never know. It's, it's going to be up to him. I, I know, especially just for anybody. I've, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, Julio Torreon, he's still he's still waiting for his results to come back. Uh, it's 
it's kind of the wait and see. It's it's always tough to really predict it in the end. But if this situation did happen where Trout, well, he will have to leave at some point. Is this basically the time of the debut for Joe Adele? I mean, I, I've been excited since day one since he was drafted. Major pop, strong arm, five-tool athlete. He's going to be roaming that field with Trout and Upton. And I, I'm excited for that. Is this going to be more of an accelerated push? Has there has Madden kind of hinted towards this is what's going to happen if he's gone, having Adele ready? I mean, even that video of Adele hitting that oppo taco into right center, it, it was beautiful. It, it really brought some optimism to me as an Angel fan, and I think all Angels fans could always use that, but is Adele really going to be the plan, or is there kind of talks Goodwin taking over, maybe just a stopgap outfielder like a Yasiel Puig? Has there been any real indication? Uh, a plan for if Trout leaves? Yeah, if, if, when, when Trout about? takes his uh, time off, yes. Oh, well, I mean, his time off is should only be like three days. So I don't think they really need to have a plan for that. Oh, okay. They're going to have, uh, you know, they're going to have Brian Goodwin is going to be there. And uh, Joe Dell may be there by then, regardless of what's going on with Mike Trout. It's going to be what's going on with Joe Dell that determines whether he makes it. And then they also have Michael Hermosillo. So, you know, if he's only gone for a few days, I don't think it's anything they really need to plan for. If he does opt out and they need to change, you know, how they're going to go for the whole season or for a big part of the season, then, you know, that's a whole different equation. And I think it's, they're not going to force Joe Adele up there if they don't think he's ready for it. But, uh, you know, certainly if they do think he's ready, that would create an opportunity for him. But, but I really don't think that's going to happen. So uh, I think for now, just assume Trout is going to be there and miss, three days or whatever when the baby's born. And uh, until we hear otherwise, I think that's kind of what you should uh, operate under. Phew. Okay, I'll keep knocking on wood. Let's make sure that happens. I, I don't ever want to see Trout out, uh, not out there for too long. It, it's always tough. But, I mean, speaking on to Joe Adele's behalf, the next the next star for the Angels as well with Trout, pairing them together, even with Shohei Otani, who's coming back healthy this season. I think the expectations for the Angels have always been pretty high, especially when you have a guy at Trout's caliber. You still have the one and only Twitter's favorite, David Fletcher. I, I think you've you've learned a little bit about how much the Angel community loves uh, their David Fletcher. Uh, Shohei, you got Upton. Uh, we had Calhoun. I mean, the expectations have always been high, and especially with these players being off for three months. Has there been any player around throughout those inter-squad games that have really shined and, and shown that they look really good even without this three months of any real repetition going up against real uh, players? Has there been anybody that's kind of stood out to you or maybe the clubhouses or the Angels have really been impressed with? Well, they've only played a few games so far, and it's, they're like half games, basically. So the regular guys will bat like two or three times. So it's really hard to, to get any kind of a gauge of anything so far. I think we got to get a little further into it. But uh, I think the, the important thing is to just see how the guys – feel about getting their timing and uh, that nobody gets hurt. I think that's pretty much all you're trying to do. Yeah. Is there any players that the Angels are kind of saying, look, we got a lot higher expectations for you going into this season, especially in the 60 games? Is it kind of more in the pitching department? Is there any certain players out there that the expect the bar is being set a lot higher now? I don't think the bar is raised because it's a 60-game season. Uh, as opposed to 162 game season for anybody, I think they just all have the same expectations that they had before. Uh, obviously, there's a smaller sample, so you can't get off to a slow start and turn it around. Uh, but if you get off to a hot start, then that obviously can carry you the whole season. Uh, I think the the best 
bar raising, so to speak, of a short season is that Griffin Canning and Shohei Otani are now able to pitch. Whereas if they would have started on March 26th, neither of those guys would have been able to pitch. So the Angels have a chance to have both those guys in the rotation for the whole time. So that is one improvement that they have uh, in front of them. Yeah, definitely having a guy like Shohei Otani. I, I got to uh, watch his debut in Oakland because uh, that, that's where I was living at the time. And it, it, he's just electric. There's no way to put it. When you're throwing 101, 102, and then you got a splitter at 94 with some of the most filthiest break I've ever seen out of all pitchers in the league, he's truly the unicorn. And I just love watching him every single game out there. I mean, now, with Otani being healthy, it was first reported Heaney was going to be the opening day starter. Has that changed? Is Heaney still locked in as the number one and Otani's just going to kind of have a different uh, plan throughout the season or has that door been opened up again because you have a healthy Otani, you have a healthy uh, Heaney, healthy Canning, all everybody's healthy at the time. Uh, well, Heaney is still starting opening day, but I don't think that necessarily your opening day starter and your number one starter are the same in the Angel case because <laughs> they, they want to schedule Otani at a day where they have a lot of off days after he pitches, since he wouldn't be able to hit in those games anyway. So I think in that sense, they have three of their six off days are on Mondays. So I suspect that they're going to have Otani pitch on Sundays. So then they can use those off days afterwards and opening days on a Friday. So that's, that's probably the way they're going. Yeah, I mean, that would be a good plan. I mean, like what you're saying about with Heaney, he may not be that number one starter. I mean, I mean, last year the Angels had quite a great opening day starter. As a, He was a legend throughout the Angels community with Trevor Cahill. Uh, he, maybe the results weren't great, but he was definitely a legend throughout social media. I'll just say that at the least. But, I mean, going through the season, it's going to be only 60 games. It's, it's a lot shorter. Everything's going to feel a lot more differently. And now the MLB has come out with, I believe it's a 60-player taxi squad. And now there's no minor league games being played throughout this year. So how much how much tougher do you think this is really going to be for, let's just say, Michael Hermosillo being called back up or just without that extra repetition of getting down into the minors, get a couple innings under your belt, a few more at-bats, kind of get yourself back into that flow. How much tougher do you think that's really going to be on for the Angels' sake of things? when they do get that call up and they are needed for those crucial at bats or to fill in for injuries? Well, it's definitely not going to be the same. Um, they're going to basically just be playing inter squad games in Long Beach, you know, every day. Uh, it will be their equivalent of playing in AAA. And so they will at least, they'll be facing like the same caliber of pitching. They'll be the, the guys who would be pitching in AAA for the Angels are the guys who will be facing the guys who would be hitting in AAA for the Angels. So it's not going to be the same, but. There will be some advantages to it. You can get guys lots of at-bats. Uh, you can, you know, if, say, they realize that Joe Adele is having trouble with breaking balls, you can manipulate it to where he's going to see a lot more at-bats against breaking balls, whereas in regular games, you can't control what the other pitcher is going to throw. So uh, there are some advantages to it, uh, but it's going to be definitely different for, uh, for everybody. Yeah, I mean, even with... The MLB always talking about how they want to cut down the amount of minor league teams. It, it would be kind of interesting to see the results of this all and see if maybe the 60-player taxi squad's a, a more it's a better way to develop your players uh, to be able to build up through the weaknesses. So I'm kind of curious because the MLB is trying to be very innovative with all their different uh, ideas that they came out with. Um, like in that one minor league, uh, the, one of the small minor leagues where basically you can go steal first off a, off a 
a pass ball. I mean, they had some really interesting ideas out there, so I'm curious to see what this taxi squad could be. Now, for for you as as the beat writer, you're going to be with the team all the time. Now, going into this season with only 60 games, truly, what are your expectations for it all? Like, what are you looking forward to throughout it? Is there anybody you're kind of just really excited to go back out there and watch again? Or kind of what are you feeling for this year? Well, I mean, you mentioned Otani before. I think that, you know, we really only got to see about two and a half months of him as a real two-way player. And I think everybody got really excited about how cool it was to see a guy who was an above-average pitcher and an above-average hitter, which basically nobody has done since Babe Ruth. Yeah. And then that sort of ended quickly and uh, because when he hurt his elbow and then there was a lot of rehab and then last year he was only a hitter and then we missed the first half of this season. So it's been a while. I think people might have forgotten how cool that is to see. So I think that is one of the, the main things I'm really looking forward to seeing. And also just the fact that the season is so short, it's just like a sprint, like everybody says. And so you're going to see some excitement of just, you know, lots of teams being in it. And, you know, if a team has like a seven and one streak, all of a sudden they become like a legitimate playoff team, even if they're the Detroit Tigers. So <laughs> I think just, the Mariners have a definite chance right now. <laughs> the, know, Mariners. the Mariners, the Mariners were 13 and two last year. I know <laughs> that's the scary part. So if you go, if you go 13 and two at the start of this season, that's, that basically puts you in at the all-star break <laughs> in, uh, in good shape. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, we were kind of joking at the be uh, like a while ago when it when they finally came out with the sixty game season. I'm like, crap. As an Angel fan, like I'm a little excited because some of the competition. I mean, Cleveland always has their slow starts off to the year, so I'm like, okay, sweet, we can get above that if it's even just wild card rankings. And I'm like, wait, Seattle always goes like thirteen and three. They always look so good. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Okay, we got to deal with this in the beginning. We 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 better match it to start it off. No, but I I'm excited as well just because in this sixty game season, like. The biggest thing is this one game has such a bigger meaning in a 60-game season than 162. One blown save has such a bigger impact than basic. It's basically the equivalent of like four, if you're really, or maybe three around that range. My my math is off for me 2. today. 2.8. I think it's 2.8. 2.8. Thank you. See, yeah. that's the reason why you're you're the beat writer for the Angels. I I need to come up with my math a little better around here. But now, th- throughout your time throughout the Angels. You've been, you've seen a lot of ups and downs throughout the organization from 2013 all the way to now. The amazing 2014 season, the amazing comeback of 2015, almost making the playoffs at 10 to 6 game in Texas, game 160. I mean, you've been through a lot in this Angels organization throughout the time you first started. What have been kind of your favorite memories throughout there? Like it could just be like a certain player, something you saw in a clubhouse, or something you saw in game. Like, what have been some of your favorite memories getting to cover this Angels team? Uh, well, obviously, seeing Mike Trout every day is, yeah. is pretty cool. Uh, I think that you know when you look at every once in a while, you need to just take a step back because you get so used to Mike Trout, and you should go on his Baseball Reference page and just look at it, and just look at the year after year after year, and look at the kind of numbers he puts up. And then pick some other, like, really good player and look at his and see how much better Trout is than him. Then another, like, all-star kind of a player. And that, I think, is what you have to do to, uh, to kind of remind yourself how remarkable it is to watch him. So I don't take that for granted, that it's really cool. And also uh, Otani, just like I mentioned before, just seeing Otani 
do what he did is something that hasn't happened in a hundred years. So we try not to take that for granted either. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, let's not let's not forget about the whole Mike Trout Bryce Harper comparison to one another. That went on way too long. I I thought it was just ludicrous to even begin with. But it's kind of funny to look back at it now of, really, you guys are comparing those two together? I'm like, Harper, Harper can't even hit 260 anymore. Or maybe he will this year in the 60-game season. Who knows? I mean, I'm near the Philadelphia area. I don't want to say too much about that or else uh, we all know Philadelphia fans. They, they won't like me too much after I say that. <laughs> but before I let you go, you started this amazing little trend on Twitter uh, for all your followers out there as – Last year may have not been the world's greatest year for the Angels. It was in a tough situation, uh, especially with the loss of Tyler Skaggs. Um, Brad Ausmus being thrown into a really tough situation out there. Um, the injuries just racked up over and over again. It just wasn't the, the greatest year of them all. And you started this little trend of your uh, cute little dog named Maddie. And now you started up your own little trend called Maddie Monday. And I, I'm a big fan of it. Always been loving it since it first started because uh, I, th- I think the real time where it needed to be started was uh, the Baltimore Orioles game, the 16 innings where uh, Steve Wilkerson uh, got got his first ever career save from the outfield against uh, the Angels. And what really made you come up with this kind of trend? And are we going to keep on seeing this throughout the season, even if there's good th- there's good t- things going on? Is this now going to be used as a more positive, a motivating tweet? Uh, well, you know. Um... I think it happened because uh, Angels fans obviously very uh, uh, we're, we're very deeply yeah. into the team, and uh, there was a lot of frustration from a lot of fans that I could I could feel coming firing at me, and uh, and I you said like all right you know calm down you need something to relax I, I, you. I can't say anything for you man mad, what am I supposed to do <laughs> who, who could be mad at a picture of a cute little puppy. So I figured, here, just look at this dog. This will make everything right with the world. <laughs> so then it became just whenever something bad would happen in the Angels game, I would just put out the picture of man. <laughs> I remember seeing a joke going around of basically anytime Cam Bedrosian stepped onto the mound, you, you, you're supposed to just post a picture of Maddie. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of the way I felt, especially if you got a 5-3 lead. I, I don't know. It, it, he's It's on the controversial side of that, but I always felt those Maddie Mondays always – Made things a lot easier. You can always uh, take a fresh. Well, the Maddie Monday, there. Maddie Monday started during the pandemic when there was no baseball at all. It was just kind of like the whole world is now a bad Angels game. So here's a little every Monday picture of Maddie. So yeah. I don't know. I think that we're gonna we're gonna try to retire Maddie a little bit. So uh, I don't want everybody to associate her with bad things. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you want to keep we'll, it. Maybe I'll find something else. I'll find something else to uh, to calm people down if bad stuff happens. You know, you got beautiful beaches around you. You can always just take a quick little five-second video of the ocean's waves crashing, and you know what? That's fine. I mean, the beaches are are endless. (laughs) You know, I agree. And now, before I I let you go, I got to at least get the expectations of this season. I mean, there's a lot of high expectations with Anthony Rendon signing. You got a healthy Otani now. Is playoffs a, a, a more realistic chance, especially with a guy like Joe Madden, who's, Basically, all he does is produce winners as as, as a manager. What what are you feeling this year? Oh, well, I think I have a better chance to make it the playoffs in a sixty game season than I did in one hundred and sixty two, just because you know it's a smaller sample size. It's easier to be good for sixty games than it is to be good for one hundred sixty two games. And uh, also, they have Otani and Cannon, like I mentioned before. So yeah. I think they definitely have a chance to make the playoffs. 
I wouldn't call them a favorite, but uh, they're they're certainly close enough that if they get some breaks and and they get some good performances, you know, it's just like two of their pitchers that maybe people don't have high expectations for come through and are pretty good, then that makes a huge difference to your staff. And if they, you know, Middleton, Buttrey, and uh, Robles, oh, that has potential to be a pretty good back-end three. Now, they're relievers, so at any time, any one of them could just go south and be not good. But if, if all three of them are good for the 60 games, that also makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, and they've that... got a good offense. There's no question the offense is going to be good. Yeah, I so mean, they certainly have a chance to be good. Uh, and I think that they might. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, let's just say the eighth and ninth inning duo of uh, Buttree and then Robles. Even you put Middleton in the seventh, you can mismatch all three of them. That reminds me of the Joe Smith-Houston Street era. Of That is lockdown. You're not getting any runs on any of those two. And then you also got Houston Street basically pitching five games in a row, and he's just fine with it. But I'm, I'm ecstatic for this year. Uh, I thought last year I tried to have my expectations high, but this year it's like, you know, with Rendon on there, the offense is back. I think Justin Upton's going to have a breakout year. He's going to show that he's still worth that money as much as I, I think a lot of fans had some questions about it last year. I, I'm just so excited for this year. I think the 60 games is just going to be everything. But, Jeff, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. I know you got to get over to those inner squad games. I don't want to keep you around too long. You can check out all of his latest tweets, all the updates. Jeff Fletcher, OCR, on Twitter. You guys got to check it out. Give him a follow. I want to see that number go up by the time this interview is up. But, Jeff, thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having me. And a big shout-out to Mr. Fletcher for coming on today. Uh, It's always great getting to talk some Angel baseball. I feel the enthusiasm for all Angel fans out there. If you ever check out any Angel fans on Twitter, oh, boy, it is a fun ride to say the least angel fans are they're pretty funny i'm I'm, i gotta say that because there's a lot of things that have gone down with the team that we got to cope with other strategies here but guys it's gonna wrap things up for today's podcast hope you guys did enjoy check out the website threebrosports.com there's been brand new articles coming out left and right I mean, we got two brand new fantasy football writers. We got Craig Smucker and then James Stream. Like, look, they're producing amazing content. You guys have to check it out. It's our own fantasy football section for all the fantasy football players out there. You need to check it out. I'm telling you, the stuff that they are providing is insane. You need to go read it right now. Threebrosports.com, okay? It is amazing stuff. We're coming up. Brand new articles left and right. We're going to be getting back into the baseball things. Uh, things. We're getting back into basketball, fantasy football. We have it all for you. Everything. I promise. We will not let you down. <laughs> Website gets better every single freaking day, and you better believe it. I'm finally done having to work full time. So you know what? That website's going to keep on getting better, and you'll see some more articles on my end of things. It's been tough when you work six days a week, about eight hours each. So you know what? It, it's Now since I got a little bit of off time. It's time for me to start going ham, as the young folks like to say. (laughs) But anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys did enjoy. See you next week. I'm Connor. I'm Calvin. I'm Brett. Free Woj, and have a good one. Three Bros Sports would like to thank Anchor FM for sponsoring this podcast and Benjamin Tissot on bensound.com for the amazing intro, outro music. Sit down.